Salt Company, it's good to see you. I love break, but for like a week, and then I start to lose my mind and miss all you guys. So it's, it's good to see you. And this is, this is officially the swankiest Salt Company that there has ever been. Like this is, it's a little weird, but it's amazing, and I love it. So yeah, thanks for being here. Thanks for, for coming out tonight. And um, yeah, honestly, I, uh, I was struggling a little bit thinking through how to start, which it is, it is bumping. Let's just acknowledge that. You guys, you guys hear the, something's bumping. All right. It's just, it's just background music for this message. All right. Um, I was struggling to figure out how to start this thing out, honestly, because I know that, I know that some of you are new and, and let's just call this what it is. You came for the pizza and you don't see any pizza and you're starting to get nervous and don't worry, it's coming. All right. It's coming later. We're going to provide you with the pizza that we promised but a lot of you, this is your first salt company, and so I, was, I, I feel this, this weight to kind of give you an impression of who we are, tell you who we are as a ministry. And so I wanted to start out with one of the ridiculous stories from my life, which I produce at an astounding rate. Just start out lighthearted, because I, I don't want you to think we're like stuffy Christians, but I, that was actually like causing some tension in my heart a little bit, because I'm... I'm, I'm feeling a little bit of the weight tonight, kind of the, the heaviness of tonight. And, it, and it's not because our text is heavy. It's not because we're talking about something super controversial that's going to make you mad. At least I don't think it is. But it's because I know, so, so let's go at it like this. I, tonight I want to talk to you about hope. And I know that a lot of you have lost hope in the American dream, which is actually a good thing. And I want to affirm that. And here's what I mean by that is you've figured out that just acquiring a bunch of stuff isn't going to satisfy you. And, and as I've kind of gotten to know you guys, this is, this is what I've learned, is that what you want most in life is you want to live for something that matters, you want to live for something significant. You want to influence and impact other people. You want to be able to kind of express yourself through your life. And you want to be able to look back on your life and say that it was worth it. And you know what that is? That's hope. You have a dream for your life and you're willing to do whatever it takes to make that come true. But here's why I'm feeling kind of the heaviness is for some of you, this might be your only time that you ever come to Salt Company, and I got one shot, one shot to convince you that you're looking for hope in all the wrong places. One shot to convince you that living for Jesus Christ is the life that matters and that he is the only hope that we have. And so where we're going tonight is, is 1 Peter 1, and I'm just going to actually focus in on like a couple sentences so this is 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his grace and mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So that's where we're going. I want to talk to you about hope, an unfading promise that Jesus gives us but first, I want to give you a couple of the false hopes that we tend to, to kind of move towards. All right, so the, the two false hopes that I, that I want to talk about is hope in yourself 
and a hope in your personal freedom. Hope in yourself and hope in your personal freedom. So the first one, hope in yourself. This is putting hope in your own ability to make yourself into everything that you should be in life. Okay, so, so it's, if I could just be kind of blank, fill in the blank, if I could just be a little bit better in shape, if I could just be a little bit smarter, if I could just be a little bit more successful, if I could just be a little bit better Christian, then my life would be full. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to work for it. I'm going to try and kind of earn that life that I want. So there's a, there's a game that we like to play at Salt Company, or, or game might be a little generous. There's a thing that we do to people called Hot Seat. Have you guys ever played Hot Seat? So Hot Seat gets a little real. Here's, here's what Hot Seat is. You're in a group of people. You put someone on the Hot Seat. You can ask them any question you want, and they have to answer it. So it gets, it gets a little real. But one of, my, one of my favorite questions that I like to ask people in Hot Seat is this. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? And, and this is the, the most common answer that I hear people give is that they're terrified of failing. And, and here's why. It's because you have this image of yourself, this image of who you should be. And so, so you kill yourself kind of working hard to, to achieve it. And you do the same thing with your Christianity. You see other people in the way that they follow Jesus and you feel like you should be that. And so you work and work and work and you're on this kind of performance treadmill trying to impress God. But here's what you know, and this is why you're afraid of failing is that the gap between who you are and who you should be is much bigger than you ever thought. Like, like what if all of the successes in the world, all of the, the morality in the world wasn't enough? What if you weren't enough? So you might be able to convince other people that you're something special, but you always know what's actually true about you. And, and here's the kicker. God will always know the real you too. He sees right through you and he sees everything about you. And his standards are actually higher than even yours are. And you can never live up to them on your own. So that's why you can't hope in yourself. The second false hope, hope in your personal freedom. So some of you, your, your hope is not in your ability to make yourself better. It's in your ability to fully express who you are, essentially to do whatever you want. But what happens, what happens when that fails you? What happens when you pursue what you want and you can't get it? What happens when the guy leaves, when the hangover comes the night after you went out? What happens when your vision for your life is to, to try and live this kind of interesting life. And so, so you, you picture yourself in 10 years sort of living in the Rocky Mountains, like living in Colorado. But you know what's actually coming? Guys, in 10 years, you're going to be telling dad jokes and driving a minivan. You're going to be wearing those, one of those like baby straps like on the front of your chest. That's what's coming. And what are you going to do then if you've been hoping for a cool life? What happens when what you want fails you? Or worse yet, what happens when you actually get what you want and you find out that it can't satisfy your soul? Some of you know what that's about. You tried it last semester. Some of you kind of lived up college. 
And so you, you slept around, you partied a little bit, you, you kind of lived the fun college life that everybody had told you was so satisfying, and now you're figuring out that it didn't quench your thirst for something more, that it didn't feed what your soul is craving, and so you're coming here looking for something more. And I think this is so interesting about us, guys, that, that human beings, we're, we're constantly looking for, for more, for something else to hope, and we're, and we're convinced that we're going to find it. But we keep going back to the same stuff that's failed us over and over again. But what if hope is not us trying to be good, but what if we need a God who's good for us? And what if in the end it isn't freedom that you crave, but it's him? I want to read you a sentence from 1 Peter that I think if you let it, it can change your life. Verse three, kind of the second half of the verse. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So why do we feel like we always have to be a better version of ourselves? It's because we're terrified that we'll be exposed for who we really are and won't really be loved. But God sees you he sees right through the show that you put on, kind of the fakeness that, that you want to hide behind. He sees right through it. He sees exactly who you are, and he just loves you. He just loves you. That's mercy. See, hope is not a feeling. It's not circumstances. It's not a, a better version of you. Hope is a person. His name's Jesus. And, and he's calling you to himself. But here's the thing, it's going to require you to stop trusting in yourself, to stop putting hope in your own ability to make yourself into something so that you can trust him and his mercy for you. Real hope for a better life is not trying harder to become a better you, it's giving up on the idea that you can be good and asking him for mercy. So imagine that not if, but when the Vikings win the Super Bowl, Got you, Trey. Yep. Not if, but when the Vikings win the Super Bowl. So they get the end of the game, they win, the confetti's coming down, and you're standing outside. And you throw your Vikings uniform on, and you sprint straight onto the field. For some reason, they don't have any security at the Super Bowl. And you run straight onto the field. And then the team sees you coming, and they're pointing at you, and they're like, you! And then you're running over, and they're like, get up on that stage and take that trophy. And so you get up, and confetti's coming down, and you raise that trophy in front of Minneapolis, and you celebrate your Super Bowl victory. And then the team puts you on, your sh on their shoulders and they carry you out. And then you're, you're first in the parade. You're on Jimmy Fallon that week. Like you're, you're, just, you're just going for it because you just won the Super Bowl. What did you do in that scenario? Absolutely nothing. That team worked their butt offs, butts off. Sorry, that went well. Their butt off to get to that place. And you didn't do a thing, but you threw on the jersey and then you got to celebrate like you had done it. That's what it's like to know Jesus. As he does everything for you. He's the one that wins the victory and then he invites you into it. He throws you on his shoulders and he gives you the credit for what you haven't done. That's crazy. And not only does he give us mercy, he gives us an inheritance 
For the rest of eternity, you will live a life of joy of knowing Jesus that you didn't earn. That's verse three again. Be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's imperishable, it's undefiled, and it's unfading, kept in heaven for you. If you think Christianity is, is a little restrictive, if you want to kind of live whatever life you choose to live, name something that's better than that. Name something that's better than an imperishable, undefiled, eternal joy. Like everything in your life that you could look for happiness and joy in is going to die. It's, it's, it's temporary, but what Jesus invites you into is the eternal. He invites you in and he says, let me be your hope. Let me be your joy. It's imperishable, undefied, eternal. And that's what heaven's all about. But it's not just about kind of where you get to be someday. It's about the person that you know. Heaven is imperishable and undefiled because that's what Jesus is. Jesus is imperishable. He's unfading because the grave couldn't hold him. He was resurrected from the dead. We actually believe that, that that physically actually happened. And there's actually a reasonable explanation for that, that that's the best explanation for the events that happened 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem. And here's what it did for you, is if Jesus can come back to life, if he can conquer death, so can you. He invites you into eternity with him. And he proved that eternity exists by raising from the dead, by coming back to life. He's imperishable, unfading, and he's undefiled. Sin's like a disease. It infects everything that, that it comes into contact with, but it couldn't infect him. It wasn't strong enough. And you know what's crazy? If you place your faith in Jesus, all of those things, imperishable, unfading, undefiled, all of that becomes true of you. You now, like Jesus, will never really die. All that death is for the Christian is an alarm clock waking you up into the life that you were born to live. And you, like Jesus, are undefiled. Like, like did you hear that? You, you can't out his grace. If you were messed up over break, if you went back to the old life that you used to live, you know what Jesus thinks of you? He delights in you. He's not counting it against you. He's not stiff-arming you. He's inviting you into himself. Are you broken? Are you unclean? Perfect. That's who he's after. That's who he wants to invite into his eternity. He doesn't hold it against you. And for the rest of eternity, you're going to live a life of joy knowing, knowing a Jesus that you didn't earn a relationship with. And all of that is an inheritance that he gives you, not a paycheck. Okay, so I have an awesome grandpa. My gramps is just like the oldest, the coolest old dude in the world. He's not the oldest. He's getting up there, but he's the coolest old dude in the world. And he used to like, he's always supportive. He used to drive like two hours both ways to come see me play sports like three times a week. Like the dude was committed. He's a champion. The way he supports me now is he just sends me random checks in the mail. I'm a fan of this new system. Um, I, like, I think we, we have an inheritance and he's just kind of wants to start dishing it out now so he can see us have fun with it. And I'm like, all right, thanks, Gramps. But okay, imagine if I get that check in the mail and I call up my grandpa and be like, all right, grandpa, got your check. What do you want me to do? You want me to go work for you? You're trying to hire me? 
No, that's not what you do with an inheritance. You can't earn an inheritance because an inheritance is an overflow of the generosity and riches of the person giving it. My grandpa has worked his entire life to build up this inheritance that he wants to give to me out of the goodness of his heart. That's what it's like to know God. You can't earn his inheritance. He's not paying you a wage to work for him. He's inviting you into his joy, into his generosity. And the second thing about inheritance is, is they, well, let me ask you this. How many of you have gotten a check from my grandpa? Show of hands. Nobody? Why? Because you're not in my family. My grandpa was just dishing out checks to you. That'd be a little weird. And I'd be a little upset because that's probably my inheritance. <laughs> inheritance runs along family lines, right? It's passed down from father to son. And that's the same way it works with Jesus is, he wants to offer you everything that you've craved, everything that you've dreamed for your life, but you have to be in the family. Are you in the family of God? Have you had a transfer of trust where you become born again, where you've started over spiritually a new life in him? Are you in the family of God and do you have access to the inheritance? Where will you look for hope this semester? And if your hope changes, your life changes right now. So I want to I end with one of my favorite quotes in the world that I just want you to think about it and then we'll pray. This is from C.S. Lewis. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Let me pray. Jesus, I love that, that you... You made us for heaven. Like, like you made us for relationship with you. And we're chasing all kinds of dumb stuff here. And I want you to remind us of how good you are and how much better hope in you is than hope in anything else. God, would this semester, would we look to you for everything that we need and everything that we are and would it change the way we live? And thanks again for Salt Company. I still am blown away that this thing didn't exist a year ago and now look at this room. We have to pull out more chairs because there's so many people showing up. You're so good to us. Keep it going, Jesus. Um, thanks for offering us hope, unfading hope. Amen.